2: This is Kelly Henderson, and you are listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. I will be back with an all-new podcast next week, but I wanted to share one of my all-time favorite podcasts with singer-songwriter Joy Williams. Most of you probably remember Joy from the hit duo, The Civil Wars. She opened up about the rocky road that band took and why they ultimately had to dissolve the relationship. Joy is now out on her own, and her music is amazingly calming and beautiful, but even more than simply music, I learned so many inspiring lessons from hearing Joy's journey of life triumphs and defeats. She's an amazing soul and an instant friend. And I can't wait for you guys to hear all the wisdom she dropped on this podcast. Here's our conversation. I'm here with Joy Williams. I feel like we're fast friends. Wow. <laughs> we, just, we, we
1: just met. We just literally <laughs> sat down and it was, we just off to the races we went. Didn't yeah, we? Interior design. We covered a lot of things. I know. And your glasses right now today are matching the wall that I now I'm asking about paint colors about so I'm feeling very on brand today
2: Okay, so most people probably do know you from the Civil Wars, wouldn't
1: you say? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, or that girl from the Civil that Wars. That girl, yeah. right? Yeah. How did that go? Would it, like, do people <laughs> because you had a huge career before and now after? Well, it's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't know that I started in faith-based music when I was seventeen. Yeah. So most people do know me from you know when I was in my like mid to late twenties in you know in this Americana folk duo, but before I was singing. Songs that were like super pop and like very churchy, um, and I was raised in a pretty conservative way growing up. I grew up in Northern California most of my life, but uh, which was an odd combo to like grow up in Santa Cruz County and and then grow up in a really conservative household. Yeah, I don't not associate the two. No, neither do I, and I grew up in it. But somehow, I think it kind of it played into everything else that's happened, you know, moving forward. It, it brought like this openness and this curiosity about you know, what does life look like in the juxtaposition of like how all of these things work together to form us into who we are. Um, but I left doing that kind of music when I was 23. Okay. Just felt like I was feeling really hemmed in and my worldview was shifting and deepening in a different way. And, um, And I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I sat on my couch for for a good solid several months when it's like, what I started at 17.
2: So young. I mean, that is people are graduating high school. Yeah.
1: And I did, but back and forth, like flying, recording my album. Yeah. My senior year. And, um, and then just like trying to get to volleyball practice on time. So it was like an interesting way to grow. But once I moved to Nashville on my own at 18, I had no idea what lay ahead. So it was lots of trial and error. And, uh, I was on the road like 250 days my first year at 18. At 18, oh, on a bus full of bros. Let me just wow. say, I don't recommend that. Uh, That's but like, you learn the music industry totally. I mean, you learn really, really quickly how to hold your ground and um, and stay with yourself. And it was really fun. Some of it was really great, but by the time I got to the Civil Wars, you know, I'd already been in the industry several years right you know almost almost a decade and so it was funny when people would say there it's like it was an overnight success you know and it's like hold up (laughs) that took some time you know it's like small hinges on a really large door I'd spent a lot of time um, being on the road meeting Mm -hmm. people learning how to write songs and craft those and and it was so good it was such a great learning experience for me personally and professionally it was really painful in some ways too but i um i've learned the importance of um staying with myself and what happens when i don't and um and how important it is to trust my instincts yeah and um and to not be afraid to speak up when that needs to happen and i think we as women i mean, women and men i shouldn't just say women but i think women and men Somehow, at different points in time, we get cultured to think that uh, we can't speak up when we need to we when we really ought to. And um, so I learned that kind of the hard way. But I will say... That I got to do like bucket, like, like bucket list experiences, you know, like meeting Paul McCartney and like hanging out. I mean, the list could go on and on and on about the things that I'd always hoped to do in my career, working my ass off to get to that spot and finally experiencing that Mm -hmm. was really awesome. And then I describe it as a little bit like seeing the backside of Disney World, that it's really exciting. And then you turn around and you go, okay, there's a lot more to life than just this as well. You work really, really hard to get to a certain place. And then you see it and you go, Oh, wait, there's more and not more stuff or like more accolades to get, but it means there's more in life to, to look at what really matters to you and why. And, um, and that taught me that era taught me that in a really stark way.
2: Wow, that's a huge part. The owning yourself, I think, is huge. But if you started at seventeen, didn't don't you feel like you had to learn that pretty fast? Oh,
1: geez. I mean, yeah. And what a weird way to like learn about yourself while people clap for you every night, right? That can really tweak with your brain. And I don't, I don't say that as like wha wha. I mean, that's not like cry me a river. Um, it just was what it was. It was how I, how I grew up. But it was really good that when I left. Uh, doing music in that way at that age, that I had a lot of time. I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do. I hadn't finished college. I didn't even go. I mean, I graduated valedictorian from my high school and didn't go to college because I already had this career.
2: How did you graduate valedictorian if you're like going back and forth doing music? I am a nerd. Are you really fucking smart. I am <laughs> a
1: nerd. I am a nerd. Wow. I don't know if I don't know if I I don't know I, I don't know what makes someone smart or not, but I but I did. I was a kid that was like, oh, let me see if I can do that. Let me see if I can do that. Yeah. Let me try that. I think I can do that. And at the time, I was like that kid that just really always wanted the gold star. Yeah. And I think I think some of that was helpful and some of that wasn't. You know, I I laugh that I've been a recovering perfectionist. Same. Yeah. Still I can tell. You can. I can. Well, it takes one to know no one. Tell? It takes one to know one. It just met me. I know, but <laughs> but also it it sitting down with you, I can tell you're very kind and I can also tell you're probably really hard on yourself. Exactly. So you're very empathetic. I am. <laughs> I am. You are too. Yeah. So, so you yeah. feel it. Yeah, I do. And, um, and that's why it'd probably be fun if you and I had a cocktail yeah. afterwards. Cause we'd probably, it's a little early in it's, the day, it's but, um, not now, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's life finds a way to hand you your own ass. Yeah. And to uh, remind you and to remind you that it's not about doing things perfectly. It's about showing up to the best of your ability with your heart and your and your integrity intact. And that will get challenged as we grow, you know, and mistakes happen. And that's the part that's what is that? There's a there's like a Japanese art where basically it's and he would probably know it, it's the you take a bowl and you let it drop and it breaks into a million pieces, and you you solder it back in the exact same form that it is, but with the gold, or with some kind of precious metal. and it the basically it becomes that much more valuable because it broke. So the gold goes into the cracks. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that is awesome. So I think that's kind of like life. I love that. Wow. That I can't remember the term me. for it. Maybe I'm not that much of a nerd
2: now that I can't remember <laughs> it. So, did kids make fun of you in school when you would go do the music
1: stuff? I feel like I high school kids people. are so hard. Oh, it was secret. No, I basically didn't talk about it because I was afraid of getting made fun yeah. of. Yeah. And I didn't know how it was going to go either. I mean, mm. it was like, is this, I don't know if this is going to work out. So, I don't you know. I mean, when I put it out there. Yet. Yeah. And I was too busy doing other things. I mean, I was it, in my school, student council was cool. You know? Yeah, um so you were probably president um, <laughs> guilty I dude. can tell yes but I will say my I'm gonna I'm gonna say that my my uh, best friend Ashley Graham shout out to Ashley um was the one that did like everything. the model Ashley Graham no oh although I'm that like, would okay. be interesting <laughs> <laughs> this just took a turn yeah, that was sweet um I don't I mean I look back at life and I think how hard I was trying oh yeah. I was trying so hard And I think this, like this era of my life, and even Front Porch kind of has the representation of what does it look like? And my mom, that was a total fragment sentence. Um, Mm -hmm. What does it look like to try, not try so hard? And that's what my mom said to me a few years ago. She said, the thing with you, Joy, is you don't need to try harder. You need to try less. And that really stuck with me because after my dad passed away, after and it's all in the same era of like having having a small child, my dad passing away from cancer, and my um, my duo um, imploding. In part because I spoke up, it just it just leveled everything for me. And I thought, you know, Venus was kind of a representation of what it looks like for me to exert. It was like, I wanted to explore. I wanted to push the boundaries. How can I do this? What am I capable of? And I am really proud of that record, but that record was such a sonic departure from the Civil Wars that a lot of people were like, what the hell is she doing? Which record are you talking about? Venus was the okay. solo album that came after the the last Civil Wars okay. record. And that was on Columbia Records. And um, a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah. Um, and that's okay, but... It was almost like I needed to cleanse my palate and be like, okay, that was I'm I'm capable of making that music, but what does it look like to really love what I do and do what I love, and and I just started it, I just went back to playing with the guitar, you know, and singing and just telling a story, and that's how Front page, Front Porch came about, and it just felt so much more like me mm-hmm. and so much less about proving a point. Because I had somebody in a um, at a record label, a very prominent person, like high up in the company at the time, um, tell me, "Well, no one really wants to hear you unless you're standing next to a man."
2: Oh. There, these are hitting on so many points that I want to ask you yeah, about. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm just so curious. I mean, we obviously... So you did start in Christian music, mm-hmm. and then you took a break. Yeah. As and then I said, did music for TV film. Which, okay, let's talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like when you do things like that, obviously the paychecks are great. Yes, they can be, they can be, or they used to be more than they are now. Exactly. And then sometimes it becomes this, you know, this niche for people. Mm-hmm. But do you, did you as a musician, a serious musician at that point, feel like a sellout ever? Or did you get any shit for that?
1: It was, it was a form of function. It was like a, a way needed. for me to create Yeah. and provide for myself and, yeah. my, f- and my family. And, um, it didn't feel like selling out because I, I honestly, because I'd been doing Christian music, it to me was a really safe sort of lily pad leap into, it was a little bit more in the background so I could create that music. And I got, I got shit for having transferred out of making like faith-based music. Oh, really? oh yeah. I mean, and that's okay. That's, that's fine. Yeah. It happens. But, um, are you still religious? I would say that my spirituality has deepened and widened. Like that's that. what I would say. Deep and wide, that's a Christian Deep fall. and wide. <laughs> deep and wide. You know it. Oh, um, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think if we really get down to it, there's a lot that we can all agree on. Yeah. If we really got past some of the the picket fences that we put up so and maybe that's maybe more in, spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I do th- I do very much feel like it's important to have a true north, you know, um and to do no harm. I think that's really important. Um but what were we talking about? So you were saying that you got out of the Christian movie oh, yeah. or the faith based Yeah. And that to to do T V film. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what you were asking about. It didn't feel like a sellout. It felt like can I still do music if I don't have these parameters set yeah. for me. So it actually worked out really well. Like I wrote a bunch of things that went on Grey's Anatomy and you know the Oh my god, back in the heyday oh, too. It was I loved Grey's Anatomy. Didn't we all? Um <laughs> and uh, and then I randomly wrote a single that became a single a jingle for oscar meyer i read about that (laughs) like (laughs) Like, who'd have thought that the money for deli meat would become the seedbed for financially funding independently what would become the civil wars wow at the time my husband and i like took that money and we put it into the civil wars and and then it was the little engine that could and we worked our asses off and I'm so grateful that it did work. Yeah. Until it didn't. And then as all things do, all, there's a season for all those things. Totally. And um and now this is the season that I'm in again of, you know, making solo music and not afraid to go back to the roots and and the the sheer simplicity of writing just with a guitar and a vocal. And I did that when I was 18 i did that when i was 23 i did that when i was 27 i did that you know and i'm still doing that um and i'm not afraid to now what is what do the buddhists say include and transcend like to bring all those i'm like on front porch you've got some spiritual language but i'm kind of turning it on its ear a little bit it's like a little bit of a rye grin on some of it um And then I'm not afraid to go back to that rootsy aspect of writing like when I wrote in the Civil Wars. It was mostly just John Paul and I writing. So the contribution that I put into that, I didn't. I think I was afraid to own that at a certain point mm-hmm. in time and I'm not afraid to do that anymore cuz I am really proud of the music that we made. But don't you think, I mean cuz you guys did meet at a writing was it a conference? Yeah, it was, like,
2: was a like a writing a, camp. Yeah. Yeah, and for another artist. Do you have that thing where you especially in a partnership I, I I personally struggle with this sometimes. I think the other person even though I'm bringing the same thing to the table, mm-hmm. I think for some reason they know better or Mm -hmm. what they're saying is right and I start to question myself did you do that in that relationship oh man I yes that's a woman thing too I think a little bit maybe I think we've
1: been cultured out Uh I think there I remember someone saying at a certain point that um, men are cultured out of their hearts and women are cultured out of their bodies wow and I I wept actually when I heard that because it was it just hit me like a ton of bricks Mm -hmm. because well, I think we all have moments where we go, man, if I'd only just remembered my worth and my value. Totally. I would have responded so differently in that moment. I would have had less regrets. I would have maybe said that more clearly. Um, there's this book, have you read it? By um, uh, Clarissa Estes, and she's mm-hmm. a PhD. And it's called Women Who Run With the Wolves. And it is, it's um, all these stories around from around the world That, um, and she talks about the history of each of those stories and how it correlates to women and what we've been cultured out of and what we have within us at any point in time, if we need it, like, to me, I'm like, it should be required reading oh my for gosh. any, I'm going to have to re-listen to this podcast so I can remember. <laughs> no. I need to start taking notes. <laughs> no. uh, well, I'm taking notes on the art, on the artist that's on your wall right now. Um, but it's, I think that book in particular, I mean, I have a, I have a 10 month, she's 10 months old today. Um, I have a 10 month old daughter right now. And, and I think to myself, I really want to make sure that I ingest this. Yeah. The wisdom of this. And the wisdom from my mom and and the wisdom that I'm getting so I can pass it down to her and hopefully she can feel the shift within her to trust her instincts more. What happened for you? Like when you, you said you felt like you kind of have been sort of cultured to sort of defer. And mm-hmm. I was too. I mm-hmm. totally was too. There's lots of moments where I'm like, well, surely they must know more than me. Totally. And I go, so it says who?
2: <laughs> well, that's what I'm learning the older I get yeah. is they just, everyone's just trying to figure it out all the time. None of us really know. No. And but if anyone
1: says they do, do you kind of, I sometimes question it now.
2: 100%. Because <laughs> I just know that's not true. You know, I think it's like when you're growing up and you look at your parents and you just think they know what they're doing because yeah. they're your parents. Yep. They don't have a clue. No, they were <laughs> just doing the best they could <laughs> exactly. too. And I think that's what I'm realizing is that's okay to wake up every day and not have every answer. Mm-hmm. Like I just put so much pressure on myself to know. Yeah. And if I don't know, then I'm just wrong or dumb or, mm-hmm. you know, like I get those kind of messages in, yeah, my in head. your head. Like that's the, that's the ticker tape that starts like playing for you. And what I've noticed about a lot of men is either they cover it better or they don't go to that. Mm-hmm. They think if I don't know, they'll figure it out or they'll find out, but they don't ever judge themselves. Yeah, there's
1: less shame you yeah. mean about it. Mm-hmm. We need a dude in here is. to ask. We need a dude in here to ask what they what they we'll think have to about phone that. Phone a friend later. <laughs> phone a friend.
2: Phone a friend. But so okay, I want to go back to what you said. That person, I'm. I i do not I was about to say that man said to you. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that person said to you about you
1: singing next to. Can you repeat what they said? Uh, no one wants to hear you unless you're standing next to a man. How did you respond? I walked twenty five blocks in New York in the snow. Did you believe it though? I think that's why I walked 25 blocks. Yeah. It's because a part of me knew that was totally bullshit and the other part of me thought what if he's right?
2: It's like all your worst fears being set up. Yes.
1: Loud. Who mm. would I mean who wants to hear that you basically don't matter unless you're connected to someone else? What a painful thing that is. And it's not true. Mm-hmm. But I rem- I didn't I didn't know how to respond at the time. I remember saying I don't agree because I thought If I snap back, then that's not, that's, I don't even need to entertain that. And if I snap back, then I'm sort of, um, I'm reacting instead of responding. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't, I didn't even want to give that thought any more power than it felt like. It felt like a, I felt like a punch to the stomach. And I have to keep reminding myself that some people may think that, and that's okay, but I'm not going to waste any more time thinking about that. What can I do now? And who can I be now? And what kind of woman can I be where I can make my kids proud? Where I can make my you know I can show my six and a half year old son Miles, and my my infant daughter I can show them what does it look like to be honest and real and show up and make mistakes and own them and apologize and try and try again and stay creative and stay curious and kind if I can. Because otherwise I would just spend the rest of my life trying to prove everybody wrong Mm -hmm. and who wants to do that. That's a lot of wasted energy I think.
2: What did you learn, what are the differences between standing on stage with someone else and standing on stage by yourself?
1: If it doesn't work, you can only blame yourself. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is, is that I, I've had people ask me, "Does it feel so different now being a solo artist versus being in a duo?" And I say, "No, not really," because I still bring what I bring, and I love to collaborate. That's uh, that's one of my sweet spots. I've always done that, whether I was a solo artist collaborating with a producer or collaborating with a band leader. Um, even now, you know, when I was making this record. Kenneth Pattengale from a, a duo called the Milk Carton Kids, you know, we were, he knew the nature of and the importance of collaborating. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to work with him was because he knew how important Repartee is. And and even on the road with my band, you know, it was a three-piece, you know, upright bass and guitar and fiddle slash mando. And I thought to myself, I'm, I am a solo artist, but this is, I don't feel like I'm boss lady. Yeah. You know, I feel like we're all rowing the boat together and, and I know how to lead and I know how to do that in a way that's hopefully kind and respectful. Cause that's how I want to be treated, but I'm still collaborating. I'm still, I'm, I'm still linking arms and going, I couldn't do this without you guys. I wouldn't want to. Right. So you know, it's, I'm learning that's one of my strengths is working with other people and I don't have to feel weak or less because of that.
0: are you ready to share some joy and celebrate international women's day m&ms has partnered with iheart for women take the mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other and of course there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure peanut butter m&ms because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight like listening to your favorite podcast.
2: So when you guys, because obviously you had some great success. You talk about the Civil the Wars? The Civil Wars, yeah. yes. And you guys were pretty much at the height of what seemed like your career, and you just announced that the tour was canceled. Yeah. You were breaking up. It yep. was done. Yep. Um, I was listening to Bobby interview on the Bobby cast, Bobby Bones. Who? He's new. Yeah. Just kidding. That guy. <laughs> um, but this was one of my He's favorite so things you said. Was um, You were talking about the bad press that you got after that, and you said when everything you've been working for falls apart and you're still standing, you just realize it's gonna be okay. Yeah. So what was that like? Can you talk me through that? Because I I imagine that if I'd been working so hard for something and it's finally happening, Mm -hmm. I mean, you said you've been doing music since you were 17. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's happening and then it's just not. Mm -hmm. And you're also being beat up for it. Mm
1: and misunderstood and misunderstood yeah. what does that feel without like? the ability to defend yourself yeah. frankly um what does it feel like yeah total and annihil- like ego annihilation okay um it feels it feels like when you walk into the grocery store and you see somebody that you know four weeks ago would have been walking right up to you and and chatting you up um now glares at you and walks right past you like they don't even know you. Wow. And and you go you know this might be one of one of kind of a version of my worst nightmare but I'm still breathing and you really do get back to the basics of what am I really grateful for? I'm grateful mm-hmm. I get to wake up in a bed in a, a house that is warm and what am I grateful for? That my worth and value is not determined on other people's opinions of me and, and that I get to walk this out in my own life, and that's on me. And um, I don't know. You realize you take you take what you do seriously, but you don't take yourself too seriously. And you go, okay, at a certain point, this will pass, and um, and people will people will be less vitriolic about it. Mm-hmm. And to have compassion, because if people don't really know, then the, all they have are their opinions and their assumptions, and because it involves other people. I don't feel like to publicly speak about that uh, would do much good. Yeah. So I have to stay with that, and that is hard some days because um, it's just hard. <laughs> but I think to myself, it's about moving forward yeah. and not and not looking back. And uh, you know, I learned a lot. There's things I would have done differently there's things i wouldn't have done differently and that's all life is i think that's what i was going to ask you if you would go back would you do it all like, all again i w- i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean you have it's like what's it, that movie sliding doors you know oh, yeah. it's like it's like well if i didn't do that then this wouldn't have happened and then exactly. this wouldn't have happened so i can say there are there are moments that i go man i wish i would have uh, remembered my backbone more But ultimately, it's made me, it's brought me right here sitting down with you. And would you have even realized that if you hadn't gone through that stuff? No, probably not. I think suffering can be a great teacher until it's not necessary. Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think? Like you looking back at your life, if if I asked you that same question, what would you say? I love that you turn interviews. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a tactic. We're just having a conversation.
2: Um, I, well, when you were initially just talking, I was thinking there was a moment in my life where I also realized like that statement, I'm a human being, not a human doing. Yeah. And um, that was for me after a huge fall as well and just realizing like, I can't really control things in this life. I can only control how I act, how I treat people, what I show up and do every day. um, And knowing that that's not my worth. So once I realized that, I think it's completely shifted the way that I respond to anything in life, you know? I don't think that I would go back and change it though. As painful as all of that stuff has been, I don't think that I could be this person. No, because it was transformative, Mm -hmm. it sounds like. Same. Yeah. Same. So it's worth it. So when you did finally get to the place where you were like, I'm still standing, Mm -hmm. I'm still okay, what was the next step? How did you pick
1: back up and do music again? (laughs) Very slowly. Yeah. Very, very slowly. Um, it's like falling off a horse. You know right. what I mean. You like you, so you get close to the animal again. You're like, oh. uh-huh. your whole body memory's is like is what, uh, you yeah. know what's gonna happen, and you confront your fears. You become friends with your fears, and the great thing about writing music is that I I get to kind of exercise those demons, and I wrote eighty songs, like eighty mm-hmm, for Venus. I wrote eighty songs. How and many then actually made the album? Only what was it? I met mean, with a couple extra bonus things I mean it was like twelve or fourteen wow but um but with front porch I was very slow and steady on that I kept go I kept the just the like just the steady as she goes kind of model yeah and I was less we moved I moved to l a after the civil wars ended it was just like I can't I just I just gotta get out of town so uh, we had a place by the beach and um I just took my son to the ocean and worked on music when I could, and, you know, randomly worked on other projects with other people. Mm. And and that was a good thing for me to do at the time. Um, And I was closer to my dad at the time because he was in Northern California, really, really sick. So I could just like do work. And then when dad called, I could pop up and just be with him while he slowly kind of passed through the veil. But um, yeah, I moved out of town but you bring wherever you go there you are oh I know <laughs> so, Can't escape yourself nope, right nope but like I think that was once my dad passed away I was like why am I in LA I don't really want to be here mm-hmm. like it's great and it's just the it was just like schools aren't great I was yeah. starting to look at that for miles and, yeah you know and com- community I felt like it was harder to grow out there everyone just lean all the time all the damn time so we got back to Nashville and I was like I'm home and yeah. I think that really played a part into Front Porch and um, just really, really beginning to settle back in. And not settle for something, but to settle back into um, just, like you said, the human, the being part versus mm-hmm. the doing part. And... um and so when I wrote this time around, I waited for the people that I wanted to work with. It wasn't like, okay, who's available? How can I get this done? Like, what can I, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I really want to write with. And it was a really small tribe of people. So I just waited until their calendars opened up and mine worked in between, you know, um, dropping miles off at school and, you know, the, the regular everyday errands of being a mom and sat down and wrote. What a blessing. Don't you think
2: a lot of times for me, I know everyone's like, oh, your job is so cool. But in any creative job or thing that you make a job, it ends up becoming a business. You know, you're chasing the money or you're chasing a schedule or there's all these other demands. So
1: what a cool experience to get to wait. Yeah. And do it how you want to do it. Yeah. I mean, I do feel I do feel like that was a really big gift and it, it helped me it helped me just kind of calm down mm-hmm. it calmed my nerves and i thought you know if i wanted to make money i probably wouldn't do music <laughs> <laughs> right you know but why do i do this you know i do this because i love i love the nature of making something that hopefully can connect with someone else and that maybe someone else can feel a little less alone because of that and we can all remember how connected we are and it's like to me music is like cooking It's, it's, it's fun to cook for yourself, but it's way more fun to cook for other people and, and invite them in and, and share that. And if they enjoy it and it nourishes them, then it's like, that just feels even better to me. So it was, it was sort of like, how do I want to cook? What kind of meal do I want to cook this time? Um, And it, and it just slowly came together and I was writing about what was going on in my life, going through hard times, coming through realizing what really matters in life um, and what really doesn't and what does it look like to you know fight for yourself and fight for love and celebrate celebrate the high times and acknowledge the low times and um and not be afraid to show up for both I was going to ask that how much
2: of what you write is reflective of what's happening in your life oh so much
1: but it's so much also in the sense of it can be what was happening in my life when I was having a conversation with one of my good friends, you know? Right. Like, Trouble With Wanting is a song that is, you know, we can all we can all relate to the feeling, the ache of desire, um, or the thought of like the what if, dot, 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 question mark kind of stuff. Um, but that was from a conversation I had with one of my really good friends about her on-again, off-again relationship for 10 years. And then like a song called Hotel St. Cecilia on the record it was just kind of, a, I saw this elderly woman sitting alone in a bar and she wasn't like, she looked very lovely and put together. It wasn't like this sad state of affairs, you know, but I just, I just thought, I wonder what her story is. And mm-hmm. I made one up and wrote that. And, but a lot of it is directly autobiographical, like a song called preacher's daughter of that every single line is directly from my life because you grew up. I grew up a pastor's daughter. Yeah. So, um, So it's all in there. It's the, 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 uh, the movie is in there. The movie in my mind is in there and then the ordinary everyday parts of my life are in there. Like the front porch, you know, that Mm. currently has a howdy welcome mat on it and, you know, a couple razor scooters and a bike that's all banged up and, you know, sidewalk chalk on it. And that's, that's also my real life too.
2: Yeah. I've always been so envious of songwriters because it seems
1: like such a therapeutic process. <laughs>
2: I'm like, you guys don't have to pay for what we have to pay. For. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> oh, too? no. I swear <laughs> to you, I've bought several therapists like uh, like apartments um, <laughs> with the amount of therapy I've Same. been to. Hey, oh, um, it, is, it is good. It's good therapy. Yeah. It is good therapy. And then it also can be like... If you're not careful, it can be like intense navel gazing.
2: What do you mean?
1: It can just be like, this is what I've gone through and I can write 10 <laughs> songs about it. So it's like... it could like get really dark. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I think it's... I tell my son all the time, you've got to become friends with your with your feelings. Otherwise, they'll come out sideways. So true. Wow. So it's like learning to make friends with your feelings also allows allows us to communicate more clearly and hopefully write better songs yeah. feelings are just feelings yeah and they're important to yep. acknowledge yeah and they're important not to necessarily camp there for like decades at a time and life is hard mm. like i'm in a season right now that i never thought that i would have to be in that i never wanted to be in um and yet this is where i am yeah and I've got beautiful music in the midst of all of this. And I have two amazing kids. And and I think I'm going to be okay.
2: That just made me think of my favorite song on the album, All I Need. Uh, I've been listening to that on repeat. Mm-hmm. And that also reminds me, that is kind of you coming full circle. Because there's a lot of spirituality in that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful, simple song. But Thanks. it. Not simple to downplay.
1: <laughs> no, no, but no. I'm like glad. It I'm glad it feels that way. statements are just like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully, it reminds us of like the elemental aspects
2: of life. Exactly. You know the basics that we need to remember. Yeah. Um. So we've talked about your
1: kids a little bit. Yeah. So tell me, you have two kids. I do. I do. How old? Uh, Miles will be seven very soon. Okay. He's so awesome. Is that a fun age? It is. Yeah. He's so full of life and so full of curiosity is so much energy. I mean, there's moments I'm like, <gasps> I mean, he wakes up and it's just like ready to go. Yeah. He just wakes up on a green light. That's just how it goes. <laughs> and, um, you're like, I need some coffee. I know. I'm like, mama need <laughs> coffee. But, um, he's just, he's all, he just came out such a light. He's, he's just never lost that twinkle in his eye. And he's so deeply empathic as well. So he's got all the, all that sort of like classic, You know, some might say boy energy. I don't necessarily know if it's engendered or not. It doesn't need to be. But he's so very much in his body. Yeah. And yet also so very much in his heart. And he's such Mm. a he's just such a rad human being and he teaches me a lot. And um and then this wonderful bliss ball. Um (laughs) Poppy. (gasps) Poppy. I have a friend with a kid named Poppy. Really? A little girl, yeah. Yeah. So cute. I I love that name. I do too. We named her we named her Poppy because she her Her um, ETA, when we found out we were pregnant, was my late dad's birthday. Oh. And I just thought, that's a little full circle right there. And the grandkids all call them Poppy.
2: What a cool story. So
1: she was born, uh, she had her own birthday, which I like. She was born one day before my dad's birthday. And I like to think he was cheering her on. So we named her Poppy.
2: I love that. Yeah. So how do you balance this career because obviously you know road life traveling Mm -hmm. you're following your dreams but you have these two kids at home what do you what is that like I
1: mean my dreams my dreams get um folded into the deep and absolute privilege of parenting like that everything changes everything changes when you have a baby what do you mean tell me more uh well you never realized how much time you had on your hands until yeah. you had a <laughs> kid. That's what everyone tells <laughs> me. Um, and then you have two and I'm so grateful for it, but every, all your priorities shift, you know, it doesn't, it's not just about like, what can I accomplish? What can I do now? It's like, how do I do this in a way where I still, my kids know that I'm there for them all the time. Mm-hmm. How do I do this in a way that provides for them? And, um, and I, I think I was, I became less precious. And I mean that in a good way about the music that I make. It was more of like, I just sat on a stool pregnant and sick AF really? um, recording front porch. I was early pregnant and I was, and I don't have like that unicorns and rainbows pregnancies. Like uh, I, yeah. I'm like, what is that? Like, you know, like, um, the Duchess of, you know, like Kate, you know, she had like, she was sick like 24 hours oh, yeah. for, 6 or 7 months like up all the way through I was that way. Ugh. And so but I sat down in a studio and I was like this is time to create because it I knew it was going to keep me really really um honest mm-hmm. in how I made what I made. And it did. I think you can hear that on the on front porch. You can yeah. hear that it's there's no striving. I'm literally just sitting down singing. And um and you know, parenting in general makes you go okay what really needs to happen versus what do i just want to happen and somehow i think it all works together in a and, and it's a tension i don't when people say how do you balance it i'm like ain't no such thing yeah. uh, like in this regard um i'm constantly moving i'm constantly altering i'm constantly shifting like how do i take care of myself so that i can take really good care of right. the kids and um and i don't do, i don't do that i don't i probably don't do that well a lot but at least i'm able to say it and um, thought it yeah (laughs) and 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 say this isn't about doing this perfectly again getting back to that whole thing um it's about how can i do this with bravery and kindness and um and show up for the people that i love um I'll let you know if I figure it out or please do. or please you let me know and then you can write a book and make a bajillion dollars okay. and then Oprah will interview you and then I will like that buy tickets to your true. seminars and you know it'll be it'll be a whole thing it'll be a whole Brene Brown thing oh my god um, you're speaking my language who I really want to be friends with
2: same her and Oprah would be I mean that people talk about who they would want to meet I'm like
1: those are my people oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i would like to be adopted by michelle obama and oprah yes. and bernie brown and oh there's so many names who else um i love glennon doyle yeah i mean all of those women yeah 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 anybody that's been on oprah super soul sunday basically <laughs> <laughs> so good all of them oh, my word um uh, this guy named richard Rohr was just um just uh talking with oprah and i love richard Rohr has been a part of kind of what Changed a bit of my sort of walk in regards to like what I believe. Yeah, it, it was. I think we go through this. I don't know anybody who grew up in a conservative household. The temptation might be to just completely deconstruct and just mm-hmm. like leave it in a thousand pieces. And I was like that for a long time. But um, this guy named Richard Rohrer, he's a Franciscan monk who um, has a center in New Mexico called the CAC, the Center for Action and Contemplation. And he wrote this book called Everything Belongs. And it was like my first step back into like, oh, wait, maybe I don't need to throw it all out. And uh, it was a pretty cool pretty cool path and then he got interviewed by oprah i'm like see see yeah.
2: <laughs> if you get in- <laughs> interviewed oprah, oprah, you're doing <laughs> yeah you're doing something right though you know that is like literal goals <laughs> totally, of totally totally um that is interesting though about your spirituality because i feel the same way it's like you-, you yeah i grew up in a really christian conservative home mm-hmm. and i don't necessarily practice those same beliefs but mm-hmm. i do think it's it never leaves you it might for me it's just expanded Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. and life has just I don't know I just see everything with a bigger perspective now than I used to
1: yeah I just think there's so many walls why are there so many walls like if right if we could take those walls down I think we really get back to the basics which I think most teachers in the world that's what everyone's trying to remind us yeah you know But to each their own.
2: Front Porch is out. Mm -hmm. It came out in May. Yep, it did. What's your favorite? What was your favorite part of recording that album?
1: Oh, man. I just never had so much fun recording in a studio. And that's saying a lot because, like I mentioned, I was Mm -hmm. really, really dog sick. Mm -hmm. But, and I've been in studios for many, many years. But working with Kenneth as a co producer um, was really special. And then, the way in which we went about it just felt really, really good. I mean, Kenneth was like, okay, I I said, I want to record this record, um, in the most unadulterated way possible. Meaning like, I don't want overdubs. So there's no overdubs on the record. It's literally just like front to back performances. And um, I've always said, if you can't do it in one take, you probably shouldn't try and do it live. Wow. Yeah. That's a great point. That's just for me. That's just how I feel about me. Yeah. And, um, And so the civil wars was that way. And, um, and then also, (coughs) and then also recording, this was that way too. So there was just so much ease involved and a lot of laughter. And Kenneth, you know, really listened when I, when I said, this is what I want to do and how, and the players, I didn't know who the players were going to be, but Kenneth heard me when I said, everybody that we bring in, I just need them to be empathic listeners. Cause I don't want them to come in and just like slap their stuff on it. Like, this is how Mm -hmm. I play. This is what I do. Everybody that came in, we really set the tone of, we want this to be like we're cooking together, you know, then, and, and let's add what we can, but less is more. So how do we do this? Yeah. And playing simply is actually really quite hard to do. Um, but the amazing talent on the record, you know, it speaks for itself mm-hmm. you know you got russ paul and scott mulvihill and Caitlin canty on back some background vocals and um you know john mylander on fiddle and um and anthony DeCosta on guitar so and are these all nashville people not all but okay. they are now yeah everyone you know came from a different part of the country and live here now but it was to kenneth's credit kenneth was saying I really think you and Anthony, the guitar player, you guys should just rehearse for two, like two months. Yeah, like. And we did. He, wow. Anthony just came to my house and we rehearsed for two months straight on green velvet couches in my living room. And Kenneth would sit there and we'd play it through and we'd work out harmonies. And so that when we got in the studio, it was just like press record and let's go.
2: Yeah. I read, was it, five days yeah 15 songs 15 in five songs days
1: and five it was just days. so easy it was so That's easy crazy though it, w- it was crazy but it was crazy easy yeah. with that and I'd never experienced it to that degree it was I just felt like there was some really special magic by way of the hard work leading up to it yeah you know the preparation um, yeah it was it really was just so joyful in there it just felt really, the ease was there. It felt like sitting on a front porch with friends. And um, and that was the whole impetus for starting the record. You know, when I sat down with songwriters, I said, you know, what's really coming to me is if I can't play it on a front porch, it's probably not for me. Hmm. And um, and I remember Liz Rose who helped me write and Emily Shackleton helped me write Front Porch. She was like, well, have you written a song with that title yet? And I was like, no. She's like, well, we should, <laughs> don't you think we should if do that? like, like
2: yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it was a snake, it would have bit you. <laughs> True,
1: I'd be
0: dead.
2: <laughs> um, so the album is out. You guys should totally check it out. I was gonna say it's funny that you keep comparing the cooking mm-hmm. stuff because I've been cooking in my house listening to this. You album. have yes, yes. It's the perfect like background music for home to mm. me because it's so calming. I don't know. I just have. I've felt the last three days I've been listening, and it's it's definitely a very calming contemplative Mm -hmm. album like i hear something different every time oh cool in the lyrics yeah which has been really exciting
1: makes me happy
2: okay what have your greatest career moments been that you would say (laughs) i know that's like the hardest thing but i'm curious (laughs) because i feel like you've got you've covered so many bases sheesh
1: give me like top three meeting paul mccartney and saying he was a fan he said he was a phase. Yes. but you died. I wanted
2: to die. Oh, I died. God. That's It's, almost almost only, it's all Oprah. downhill from there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm
1: like, shit. Right. Um, um, yeah, that, um, that one's good. Getting matching tattoos with Adele. Can you tell that story? Yeah, we, uh, we went the civil wars. Uh, she discovered the music of the civil wars and asked us to come on the road with her, which is amazing. Was, too. Yeah. Adele. Oh my gosh. God. Um, We became fast friends on the road, and we—I got to witness what it looks like to go from uh, being somewhat well known to like the skyrocket, like stratospheric fame, and just to watch her stay the same, and um, and to just bear witness to the human aspect of all of that too. And uh, we, but we were—I was not even close to having any kids at that point. So we were—I was. P.S. do not try and keep up drinking with Adele. Um, Did you throw it out? Yeah, it was, but we, we joke now that like, we don't, we, we're like, we're moms now. We can't even, we can't can't do that. one Um, drink and you're like, yeah, I know. I'm like, Ooh, that one really (laughs) hit me. Um, I'm going to be up at six and that one's going to hurt Yeah, the half glass of wine that I had. But, um, but I think getting to go on the road with her, it was really just a special thing and getting to know her and, um, What's the tattoo? The tattoo is uh, three dots. Okay, it's an ellipsis, which just means to be continued. And oh, that's cool. And it's on our wrists. And um, we finished the tour. That leg of the tour, we finished the, that leg of the tour, and she um, had arranged for a tattoo artist on the bus. So we went on the bus after our, the end of tour. Um, she had ironically given me a bottle of gin, which I had gotten terribly terribly sick from drinking mm. um so that was a little giggle and um <laughs> and we got we it was our both of our first tattoos oh wow and, um and now we kind of we think that it's i don't know i haven't I haven't spoken to her in a little bit but um but I look down and I think to myself that's right, everything is to be continued you keep you keep an open mind about what's about to happen. You know, you never know how life is going to move, but you just keep remembering there's always more. There's always more to be continued, like our friendship. And yeah. and then we both wound up having, like getting pregnant around the same time, just totally randomly. So we've joked at times that it's, you know, it's like us two and our son. It's like connected, you guys. Yeah. But, and then now I don't know if I need to add a fourth stop, but then that wouldn't work out for Poppy, but um, <laughs> it wouldn't be an ellipsis. So that one, and then top three, I think... It's hard. It's like I go back and forth between like really small moments of stepping out on stage and, and just that moment that happens of feeling this deep cycle, circle of gratitude that I feel. Like I feel like it's like, no, thank you for being here. And then it's like this moment of like feeling that thank you. And it's like, no, thank you. And it's like, thank you. yeah That to me, that's a really small but but really impacting thing for me every time that I... I was gonna that, say you fill that every show? I do. And some days I'm really tired or some days yeah. my throat hurts or Or you're you know, pregnant. Yeah, some days I'm pregnant <laughs> and some days my you know, I'm so exhausted. I don't know how I'm gonna hit that high note for mm. that one song and um but it's like sitting down in a living room. Yeah. You know, and just being like, I'm so glad you're here and and if and if you can keep that conversation going and just be who you are. It's not putting on a show. I mean I do like putting on a show, but yeah, but I think the shows I love going to the most are the shows where I feel like people really bring themselves. They bring the drama and they bring themselves. And, and like that to me is a highlight to the career that hopefully I can keep that feeling of gratitude going always. I mean like Dolly Parton still has so much gratitude for her career like she's a queen to me forever and a day and I think of Emmylou Harris Mm -hmm. who was never afraid to branch out and try new things and is still making music decades and decades later like those those aren't even personal highlights for me but I look at that and I go no that's a highlight I want to aspire to right
2: what about you oh god greatest career moments I mean I think there's been people I've gotten to meet Mm -hmm. or just even be around like Emmylou Harris and all of those things that have been great for me but I think lately the thing that I would say the that's kind of hitting me the most is with gratitude is just even though I don't know what I'm doing with a lot of the stuff I'm doing the the opportunities keep presenting themselves awesome You know what I'm saying? Where it's just like one foot in front of the other and something is opening up and I just know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is Kelly Henderson and you've been listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. I truly believe that every one of us has a little velvet and a little edge. So it's so important to remember that to be strong, you must be soft too. Thank you so much for sharing in those stories with me. You can follow Velvet's Edge on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as velvetsedge.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me every Wednesday for more conversations on lifestyle, beauty, and relationships. My thanks to Joy Williams. Her album, Front Porch, is out everywhere now. Thanks for listening. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms?
0: Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you've got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals, and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu.